a natural reaction when we are confronted with facts that we don't want to accept. A natural reaction is denial. For instance, uh, in the summertime, if Cindy suggests that maybe the grass needs to be mowed, but man, I don't want to mow the grass, you know. I'd, uh, I'd just like to deny that, you know, and just say, oh, it's okay for now. It can go a few more days, you know, while the neighbors are staring at me because my, my yard is beginning to look like an unkept pasture field of some sort, you know. I just don't want to deal with that. I just deny. I ought to get the more out and mow, but I don't want to. Or, uh, you know, if someone says to me, you know, you look like you're gaining some weight. You're getting too fat. You need to lose weight. Well, I've got plenty of explanation for that, you know. I'll just deny that I probably should be on a strict diet and cut back my calorie intake and all that. I just deny. I mean, things I don't like to deal with, I just sort of deny the reality. That's so common. In fact, that is so common that we even have some idiomatic expressions to describe it. You're obviously familiar with this, the ostrich with his head stuck in the sand, right? And so the... The reputation of the ostrich is that if there's danger or something scares him or, you know, uh, something that he should react to, instead of reacting properly, he just sticks his head in the sand to ignore what's going on around him. We're all familiar with that expression. And in fact, that you, someone wouldn't even have to uh, explain that they're talking about the ostrich if they told you, well, you've just got your head stuck in the sand about that. You'd know what they were talking about since that's such a common expression. By the way, I was reading about that a little bit, and that probably the ostrich has been somewhat misrepresented in this regard. They say if you saw an ostrich with his head stuck in the sand, more than likely what he's doing, he or she, they both do it, tending their eggs. They, they put their egg, they build their nest, dig a hole, in a pretty large size hole actually, in the sand, and that's where they deposit the eggs and care for them and rotate them throughout the day. Uh, and so... It may be that we have misrepresented the ostrich in sticking his head in the sand, but you know that expression, and I'm just using that as a as a point in case to show that we is so denial is so common that we talk about it in those terms. Well, today we want to ask if we are in denial about some important spiritual truths. Are we in denial? I think a lot of people are, and we want to talk about that and the great danger of being in denial in regards to spiritual things. Before we get into that study, though, let me stop to say thank you for being here. As we mentioned in our Bible study hour, it's a cold day in Middle Tennessee, but it's warm here, and we're glad that you've come to participate with us in this time of worship. We hope that everything that we do will be pleasing to God, that we'll offer honor and glory to His name. But we also hope that we will all be edified and encouraged by the time that we spend together, and we certainly think that's uh, you know, an important priority as well. So thanks for being here. For all who are visiting with us, thanks for coming. Come back whenever you can. What about being in denial? Well, one form of denial is to deny the very existence of God. Am I in denial about the existence of God? That's the most basic and fundamental form of spiritual denial, I think. But Sad to say, there's a, a growing percentage of people in our world who are taking that view. You wouldn't have to look very far to find statistics about the increasing numbers of people right in our own uh, uh, society and in our, even in our own immediate community who are becoming atheists, who are denying the existence of God. 
Why would people deny the existence of God? I think that the most obvious answer to that question is because they do not want to deal with the concept of accountability to God. Why would you deny God when there's so much evidence around us that points to the conclusion that there must surely be a God? Why would you deny that other than you don't want to be accountable to such a being? Look around. All kinds of evidence concerning the existence of God. It's tough to deny it if you'll be honest. I know many of you, and I heard some conversation about this before service began. You've heard the weather forecast, you know, that maybe we might get, we might actually get some snow here, uh, tonight, tomorrow, and there's a lot of talk and a lot of people dealing with the possibilities of the weather. But just as one small indicator of our feebleness and God's greatness is we can't even control the weather. And we can't even accurately predict the weather. God can. God has such power. All such evidence of the existence of God. It is so obvious that the psalmist said in Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's a foolish thing to deny the existence of God. And again, I think the only feasible explanation as to why someone would is because they don't want to answer to God. They don't want to be accountable. In the passage that Lee read for us earlier from Psalm chapter 10, beginning verse 4, the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. He has said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face. He will never see it. And so uh, that, I think, is describing that mindset. I just will not submit. I don't want to answer to God. I don't want to be accountable to Him. And the easiest way to avoid that is to simply say, I don't even think there is a God. So, certainly that is a fundamental or basic sense of denial. Uh, many in our world are in that, in that category. Hopefully, I don't think that that's common among us here today, if, if, but if it would happen to be that you are in that camp where you're doubting the existence of God, we would urge you don't engage in that sort of denial. But for lots of people, even people who are willing to say that there is a God, there are many who would like to deny what the Bible says about the character of God. A lot of people are quick to accept what the Bible says about God's goodness about His love, about His mercy. All those things are very clearly taught in the Scripture. In that regard, we have wonderful promises and comfort and consolation in knowing that God is a loving, caring, merciful being. That's all good. That's easy to accept. But a lot of people want to deny other aspects of the character of God that are clearly and equally taught in the Scriptures. For instance, they want to deny the statements of the Bible concerning His righteousness, His judgment, and His wrath. Uh, They just don't want to deal with that. So they deny that God even is such a being who would punish the disobedient. But I'll tell you, that denial is not going to do them any good. That's just false consolation because the Bible is very clear about the full picture of the character of God. He is loving, merciful, gracious, and kind, but He is also righteous and demands justice and, and, and insists on punishment for wickedness. Notice in Romans chapter 11, verse 22, 
Paul writes, Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. This is a famous expression, but notice the emphasis on both parts, the goodness and the severity of God. And you'd be wrong to deny that severity. It is clearly taught in the Word of God. You, In fact, you can't fairly accept one side of that equation, the goodness, without also accepting the severity of God. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, the Hebrew writer says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Well, why? Why would that be so? If God is all-loving, all-kind, all-merciful, if that is the exclusive character of God, then why would it be a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God? That wouldn't make sense, would it? This statement only makes sense when we understand that other side of God's character. The Hebrew writer goes on in chapter 12, beginning verse 28, says, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Notice, for our God is a consuming fire. That's hard to miss, really, if you will honestly deal with all that is taught in the Scriptures about God. But I want to tell you, I think there are plenty of people who are in denial about that. There's no use in denying that. The Bible teaches it. If you deny it, you'll only be harming yourself. And I think the obvious harm would be that you wouldn't be making any effort toward obedience and preparing yourself for judgment that God has so clearly taught. Some people are in denial about God's commandments. Uh, you know, the, the Scriptures are pretty clear. What God wants us to do is plainly taught. Uh, now, we're not saying that there aren't some sections in the Bible that are more difficult, uh, harder to understand. We, we know that. Uh, as we spend time reading and studying our Bibles, we come upon certain passages that uh, you have to dig a little deeper, you have to look, work a little harder to try and get the meaning. But in regards to the things that God commands us to do, the things that He expects of us, that He requires of us, those things are clearly taught. It's very straightforward. It's not difficult. His commandments are not hard to understand. Yet many are in denial about the very simple commands of God. This is not a new thing. This is an old trick of Satan. Going all the way back, you remember, to the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3, beginning verse 1, you remember, the serpent said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the tree of the fruit, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Now, get this. I, I mean, we've, we've studied this passage so many times, but it's so clear. God had made commands. He, and, and Eve understood what the command of God is. There was no doubt in her mind. She understood what God said, don't eat of the fruit of that tree. She knew that. She was able to recite that law. Uh, and she knew the consequences of it. But what did Satan try to convince her? God doesn't mean what he said. He didn't really mean that. And you will not be punished. You will not die. Don't worry about that. What was Satan trying to get Eve to do? Deny that there are consequences to sin. Deny that God has given commandments. Just be in denial. Well, 
people today continue to do that. Uh, I've, I've even talked to people, maybe you have too, who when you confront them with a very plain statement from the Scripture, might even respond by saying, well, that doesn't mean what it says. You know, Well, of course it means what it says. God means what He says and says what He means. God has given us rules. We can't understand them. There's no use in being in denial about the commandments of God. In our daily Bible readings this week, we've been reading in Exodus, where God gave specific and detailed commandments about how to build the tabernacle under Old Testament times. And and the clothes, uh, the garments that the priest were to wear and so forth. And one of the things you have to be impressed with when you read that section of Scripture is how much detail is there. Such clear, specific detail. I mean, very specific details. And God said to Moses, according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. To everybody who says God doesn't care and God is not concerned with the details, please explain to me why he was so detailed in how he told Moses to pattern the tabernacle in chapter 25, verse 40. And look thou that they make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. God is a God of patterns and specifics and details. And anybody who would try to say that God doesn't care, it doesn't mean that much to him, would be wrong. And the same truth exists for us. When God commands us, He expects us to obey. And and so it's just a form of destructive self-denial if we say the commandments of God are not important and don't worry about those. Some people are in denial about their own conduct. I think for all of us, we understand that it's potentially much easier, I mean, it's not just potentially, but in practice, it's much easier for us to see the faults in someone else rather than to see our own faults. You know, I can see the other guy, I can, and I, I, I can see exactly what he ought to do and how he ought to correct himself. That's so easy. But what's harder for me is to see and acknowledge my own faults uh, in the home, in my family, in my marriage, uh, in the community, with my neighbors, on the job, in my work with my friends. It's so easy to see other people's faults rather than my own. In the church, with my brethren, it's easier to see what the other guy is doing wrong rather than acknowledging what I am doing wrong. Jesus, of course, taught the classic message about that, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, beginning verse 3. He acknowledged that people do this, but he says, stop doing it. He said, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. The word mote there, we would probably say something like a speck. And here's a, So here's a guy with a beam, a very graphic picture, guy with a beam sticking out of his eye, but before he even addresses the beam sticking out of his own eye, he's trying to pick a tiny speck out of someone else's eye. And Jesus said, that's just hypocrisy. And it still is. And whenever we do that, when we refuse to see our own faults, but we're so certain to point out the faults of others, we need to realize that that's a form of self-denial that simply doesn't get us where we want to be. That's denial that causes us harm rather than good. We, we should not be in denial about our own conduct. Is there something you need to be changing? Is there something that you need to correct about yourself? And don't stick your head in the sand, as we often say. 
Acknowledge the problems in your own conduct. Let me suggest to you also that some are in denial about the consequences of sin. Um, you know, uh, we can understand that certain decisions uh, have a consequence. Uh, and and it, it's foolish to deny that if I do this, there won't be that price to pay. In, in, in this life, uh, it would be foolish to deny that. If, for instance, if I don't take care of my car, if I don't change the oil with some regularity, then I'm going to pay the price and the car won't last as long and I'll end, have to, end up having to spend money for repairs or a new car sooner rather than later. We understand actions have consequences. There's no use denying that. I mean, you can drive your car. I, I remember a friend of mine years ago back in the days when the gas station still had attendants who would come out and pump your gas and, and check your oil, you know. And this guy never changed the oil in his old car. I mean, they, I mean he, he, he was awful in regards to maintenance. And so the guy was pumping gas and he raised the hood to check the oil. And, and my friend said to him, how's the oil? And the attendant said, it's filthy. <laughs> it's filthy. He never changed the oil in his car. Uh, well, he, as you might expect, the consequences of that were the car didn't last very long and, and it was pretty soon ruined. Choices have consequences. It would be foolish to deny that. Well, I can try to deny the consequences of sinful activity if I want to. Uh, I can imagine that I can violate God's laws and pay no price for it, but that's not going to be true. I can, I can try to deny that, but the truth of the matter is that my life will be affected now and then I will have to answer in eternity as well. First, think about here and now. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 15, it says, The way of the transgressors is hard. Now, that's just a simple truth. Now, our own experience bears that out. Now, it is a proverb, of course, and proverbs can have exceptions. And so, you might find a wicked man and he might be prospering tremendously. We understand that may there are exceptions to proverbial truths. But in general, the way of the transgressors is hard. And so if you choose to live in violation of God's command, it's going to make your life hard here and now. And that, that almost always happens. But certainly, and more importantly, there's eternal consequences to violating the law of God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Eternal consequences. Now, deny that. Go ahead, try to deny that. You'll be sad that you did in the final day of judgment when you realize now that you're lost eternally because you wouldn't accept reality while you had a chance to do something about it. In Romans chapter 14, beginning verse 11, it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Now get this, here's the reality. Don't Try to deny it if you want, but the reality is you're going to bow down to God. You're going to acknowledge God, and you're going to confess God. The problem will be, though, if you haven't done that in anticipation of this, You'll end up doing it in judgment, but it will be too late and your soul will be damned eternally. Don't deny this reality. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. And so what we're saying is a common human practice is denial. 
Try to deny things you don't like to deal with. Try to deny facts and truth that, that uh, suggest things that you don't want to accept. You can try to deny it, but it doesn't make any difference. It's still true. There's still God. And though he's a loving and merciful God, he's also a God of justice and punishes wickedness. He has commanded things easy to understand. He expects us to evaluate our own conduct. He teaches us about the consequences of sin. Finally, let me offer just a quick reminder from the familiar parable of the prodigal son. We all know that. That's one of the probably the best-known parables that Jesus taught. He taught many, and this one is well-remembered. In Luke chapter 15, beginning verse 11, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the, young, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. You know how the story goes. We don't have, to, we don't have room for it all on this screen. It won't take time to read all of that story. But you remember how after he'd wasted all of his money, uh, he got in pretty desperate shape. And he got in such bad shape that he took the, the despicable job to a Jew of feeding swine and even wishing that he could eat the food himself that he was feeding to the swine and he was just in horrible condition. The consequence, the consequence of his living brought him to horrible consequence, uh, horrible state. What happened? And when he came to himself, when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread and enough to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. You know the rest of the story, how his father received him back. But the, ex- the key expression here is, He came to himself. What did he do? He stopped denying reality and he accepted the truth of his situation. And that's what we all have got to do. We've got to be willing to accept the truth. Stop being in denial. Nothing good results from us denying what is truly the case. What's your situation this morning? Are you in denial about your spiritual standing before God? If that's the case, we beg you, don't remain there. That would mean that if you're not yet a Christian, you need to become one by obeying that simple gospel plan of salvation. You need that. Don't deny it. Accept it. Be obedient. Hearing the truth, have faith. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. If you're a Christian already, but you've fallen away from faithfully serving the Lord, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. You're not doing yourself any good to be in denial acknowledge your your situation. Get right with God. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song.